0: everybody? Welcome into the How Not To Be A Youth Pastor podcast. Everybody's favorite podcast, especially for those looking uh, to just waste an hour of their lives, which is what we're here to do for people every single week. And they feel so much better about themselves because they go, at least I'm not like those two guys. At least I'm more productive Yeah, than Kyle and Derek with my time. Yep. Because not only do they sit down and record this episode... But then they have to like process it. They've got to think up what they're going to talk about. Uh, They have to type it out. Type it all out. Well, sometimes it gets typed out. We've got a show doc for this one. We do. Uh, We don't always have a show doc. Case in point, last episode. That is true. Uh, The last episode, we had no show doc. But I thought it was okay. It went well. I thought so. Uh, However, uh, this is the final episode of season two. Uh, For our listeners who are unaccustomed to our uh schedule sure sure uh we take the summers off and so uh why this will be because we're lazy because and we don't we want are lazy to do anything and uh or because we have so much going on in the summer that it makes it very hard <laughs> that's to that's actually true yes. uh mission teams and camp and vacations and all that stuff so uh we take the summers off this will be our last episode for uh season 2 we'll be back in the fall for season 3 uh and keep an eye out For uh, for a special episode dropping this summer, uh, which apparently, as of last episode, will be a youth pastor decathlon, (laughs) Uh, which I would have uh, a lot of fun with. I don't know that I'd win, but I would have a lot of fun. I think I'd do okay. I don't think I would come in last. Yeah. Which would be my, that'd be like 98% of my goal. Is not good. the other two percent would be to not get hurt. That's fair, but not coming in last is uh, is for sure. No, we we joked, but we should legitimately do this. I'm very interested. Okay, I think Riley would be in. Yep, I don't really want to invite him because I think he'd win. Yep, but uh, But we need him. <laughs> but we need we need warm bodies. Yep, uh, we'll figure it out. We'll put it together. Uh, how not. To Be a Youth Pastor uh, is the name of the podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Uh, we are on YouTube as well under the same name and Instagram at hownot_yp. underscore YP. We'd love to connect with you all summer. Shoot us your uh, questions, comments, concerns, constructive criticism, and unconstructive criticism. We will take it all. Uh, and uh, we love suggestions for uh, episodes as we go into season three. Absolutely. Uh, we are much like all good pastors, we are running out of good original content. And so, uh, we, (laughs) that's accurate. Uh, and so, uh, maybe we should just go back and redo all of our episodes from season one, uh, with new wisdom. Yeah. Uh, that'd be, that'd be a good idea. Remastered's kind of the thing right now, right? Like, like like
1: Lion King is, has been remastered
0: or we could do live, uh, live action remakes of our episodes. Right. We'll just go back and say the exact same stuff, but we're on video. This time. For yep. for the first, you know, sixty episodes or whatever it was that we weren't. Done. Uh that's a great idea. So uh today is the last episode of the season. We are gonna be talking about starting Bible studies. But before we do that, uh as is now tradition, if you do something twice, is it now a tradition? No, I think it's three times. Three times? Yeah, because uh like the line like connecting two dots is just a line. Yep. But but connecting three dots is now you've got a trend. Uh, so when we do this a third time, it'll be it'll be officially a tradition. But for now, it's just a trend. It's it's two data points. Yeah. Uh, reminiscing on the great times that we have had over the last year. Uh, and so I uh, I'll go first here because I think yours is funnier. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so we we love to go back and look at some of the best moments of season two. And uh, our quick question today is what was the best moment from season two? And so I would like to share a clip. Uh, and fortunately this came after we started recording video, like just after it like, Yeah. I think one the of the first, first or episodes. Second episodes. Yeah. Uh, but back in, uh, episode 72, uh, which was not that long. A couple months ago, uh, we were talking about, uh, not being lazy as leaders. And so I took it upon myself to be productive with my time. While you were talking, I was being productive. Uh, and uh, I'll just, we'll just roll the tape.
1: Um, and for those who are watching online, you can really appreciate this because it. No, Kyle it's a is stacking candy. Um, if you're listening to the audio version, I really encourage you to go to our Instagram or go to our YouTube. So you can Tucker's see this for sure.
0: Making a video out of this. I
1: mean, I, First of all, I'm just going to say I'm impressed. Thank you. Because that those are very oblong-shaped Jolly Ranchers. Um, I also hope— Just for the record, I'm also doing this left-handed. That's even more impressive.
0: Ah! ah there it is. There all it right, it, it fell is. over.
1: My tower fell Of Did you do that Jolly on purpose Rancher. during the the lazy segment I was here? being productive. Okay,
0: well, there, there's that. <laughs> With my time. <laughs> Oh, man, that is uh, that is great. It was. uh, So they were like the little Jolly Rancher chews. Yeah. So they were pretty square, rectangular ish. But, uh, but not like Starburst
1: where they have like a distinct and definitive shape.
0: Yeah, there's a little bit of lumpiness <laughs> to it. And so uh, stacking them left-handed was was kind of a challenge. <laughs> I, did, I didn't even know what to say. Like, I, it's so funny. Like,
1: <laughs> it's so funny listening back to that clip because I can literally just, like see myself like processing like, I don't know what to do right now. <laughs> right. Like Because I was like so caught off guard because like you were like, trying and like it just so like i literally got distracted by what you were doing and like the word oblong i don't know if i've said that word since like probably I, not i, I don't or, know
0: yeah before that or since that was a one-time yeah. shot there so it, it it's
1: just so funny watching back that knowing what i was thinking in the moment and going yeah
0: I, I will, again, formally apologize to Derek on the podcast for my lack of attention in that moment. Uh, so, Derek, what uh, what was your favorite uh, memory from oh from the season two of the podcast?
1: Okay, so full disclosure, I don't often, like, listen back to our episodes because, like, it's self-conscious. I, I do watch them back for, like, instructive purposes. Like, how do you get better at communicating? What are the things that you do that you want to improve? So on and so forth. But... I intentionally went back to this episode because it was so funny in the moment. And even thinking about it right now makes me laugh. But it was episode sixty. It was the second time Riley was on, my my youth pastor, uh, and he <laughs> uh he was gonna host the initials game for us because we had like a fun episode that way. And so, you know, he's on and it was it was the episode right after Christmas. It came out on December 29th.
0: Yeah, but... it came out December 29th. Yes. We did not
1: record it December
0: 29th. We recorded it before Christmas.
1: And so you asked me on that episode. I think it was the quick question. It was. How was my Christmas? And so I had to... I don't think I told you I was going to ask that No, either. you didn't. You just, you just sprung it on me. You, you, you're like, oh, I got a question. And then you looked at me and goes how how was your christmas and, yep. I, and so i forecasted what i was going to be doing for christmas and then came to you as if i that's what i had actually done and then i did the same thing to you and so we went into probably two and a half minutes each of how our christmas was and it had not happened so it was all malarkey which which, which is hilarious alone like that part alone is enough yeah that's not even the funny part no. that we're
0: broadcasting right no. now
1: but then as you finish up, my you know I'm sitting here, if you're watching online, I'm sitting on the right side of the desk. Riley is to the left of me. Kyle's across from Riley. And so in the middle is my phone, and it, it starts to ring, and it's my wife. And so it kind of throws off like a little bit of the mojo. And so you take liberty upon yourself to acknowledge
0: that my phone's ringing. Yes, obviously. But then— But now hold on. I got to give a quick marriage— Pro marriage tip. For sure. Like if, if you are married and your spouse calls, I, I am answering that phone like every single time, unless I like literally just miss the call. Like Mm -hmm. if I'm in a meeting, if I'm doing something important and my wife calls, I'm picking it up because half the time she knows, like if she knows I'm in the meeting and she's calling me anyway, something's going down. Yeah. It's important. And so I'll call it I'll answer the call and and if it's like hey I'm we're recording right now can I call you back? Yes. Okay. Cool. If if that's all it is, that's a huge win in the communication of your marriage. For sure. And so I want to just before we play the clip, we have to give Derek the props because answering the phone was the right thing to do as funny as it was for the context of the podcast. Should we roll it? Yeah, let's roll it. Uh, Well, while Derek fields a call from his wife, Riley, uh, how are you? Glad to have you back for another episode. Oh, thanks. Hey, and also thanks for asking me how my Christmas was too. It was great. (laughs) Um, But, oh my gosh.
1: I literally, uh, I don't know if there's been a funnier moment that that I have had just because like he said it so quick. Like he came up with that. (laughs) Immediately. And it was it it was just so funny because we literally spent like the first five minutes of that episode talking about each of our respective pretend I don't think he said a word. He didn't. He said right you you would not have known he was on the episode yeah. until that moment.
0: <laughs> I I would have to look back. Did we even acknowledge him at all no, until that point? Not at all. That not was his all. first words on the podcast. Yeah, because you say, "Hey, you know, Riley, welcome back to the
1: podcast." Like, that did, was his yeah. first yep. words on the show Just after five straight minutes. sass.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, he is yeah, awesome. That's, that's pretty on brand for both Riley and for our podcast. That's correct. Yeah, uh, that's true. So we appreciate you guys. Uh, let us know, you know, if there if there were other memories. I mean, we could only pick two. But uh, if there were other memories that, uh, that you appreciated uh, over the last season of, uh, of the podcast, we'd love to reminisce with you. And we're looking forward to to a great season three. But we've got one more episode before we get there, Derek. We do. What are we talking about? We're talking about studying the word of God. Nice. Because apparently that's important. I'd say so. Supposedly it's one of the things we're supposed to do as christians. Uh but I I wanted to kind of close out season 2 with this episode because you know this is something that applies to literally every listener that we have. Um studying the word of God is important. Uh it is talked about as important, but I don't think it is talked about enough of like how to do it. Correct. Yeah. And and specifically how to do it with other people. Yeah. Because I
1: think a lot of people are like, hey, let's do a Bible study. And then you go and it's like, this is the most unorganized thing you've ever done. ever, Or
0: uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. Or both. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And so I think, you know, to your point, we talk a lot about doing it and how important it is, but then that's where the
0: conversation ends. Yeah, that's true. And, and all of the things we're going to talk about today can be done on your own Mm -hmm. because I do think that it is also important to spend time in the word of god just you correct but we are going to be talking about the context of a group bible study mm-hmm. and the first thing that i want to say is that in a in an ideal world this bible study that uh, that you are starting or that you are a part of uh is about 3 to 8 people uh that i would say is the sweet spot uh you know where if one per, like depending on the makeup of the group if one person is gone do you still hold bible study like those are the like you got to answer some of those questions uh you know is there enough, like if if you got 8 people and 4 of them are gone do you like ah we'll skip this week and we'll meet next week you know whatever whatever the structure of it is i think that some of those communication things are important but if you have more than if you only have 2 people then it's <laughs> it's It's not really a group, it's just a pair. Uh, but if you have more than eight people, uh, that's that's a lot. and mm-hmm. and you it's very difficult to build real relationship, in my opinion uh, when you have more than eight people in a group.
1: and it, it, it's all the more difficult at, as well to have constructive and productive conversation in between mm. just because when you have more than eight people, there's a lot of different opinions, a lot of different ideas, a lot of different voices that need to be heard. And so, unless you want to have a Bible study that goes four hours, it just, it just kind of discourages people from sharing because there's, you know, usually probably some other people that have the tendency to dominate conversation. Yeah, you
0: also don't want to have people who can hide, the right. Conversation, right? Like yeah. you want to be able to hear from everybody naturally. Yep. Uh you, know, you don't want to. You don't want to have the ability conversationally for like the the quiet, quiet shy, quiet person. Nice to to be able to just hide away from the conversation. Right, and so that's where you know there is you know got to be some intentionality, Uh, and for some people, for some for somebody starting a Bible study, it might be you know, expanding your horizons of who you invite. For other people, it might be, you know, you got to be more intentional yeah. about who you invite because you have to cap it at some point. And so that's uh, that's where I would encourage, uh, you know, I, I think it's super important for everyone to be a part of a Bible study, uh, whether it's something that, you know, you decide, hey, we're going to do this for a season or, hey, we're going to do this long term. Uh, But we want to, today, equip our listeners to be able to, like, I want you to walk away from this episode feeling like you could start a Bible study with the people that are in your context, some of your friends, some of your coworkers, your family, whoever it is.
1: Or teach someone to do one. You know, as a youth pastor, you might have students in your ministry who want to start a Bible study, and they go, how do we do it? And you maybe these are some things you can draw on. But I think before we jump right in, we also want to kind of give some appropriate credit mm-hmm. and caution, I guess you could also say, to some other resources. Because a lot of times uh, you have these different authors, pastors, leaders who write some phenomenal books, books that you and I love to read, books that uh, you know we've learned a lot about. And a lot of these really good books can be one of those things where they have appropriate you know, study guides and like, hey, you know, this is a great book. Here's here's a guide for your church and your staff to go through. And so let's go through that together. And the only problem with that, if that is a problem, is sometimes that can become a substitute for time spent in the word. Like, you know, instead of going through a Bible study together as a staff, as a leadership team, as friends, as, as whatever, we're going to go through this book together. And Again, it's not the book is bad. It's just it becomes dangerous when it becomes a substitute for spending time in the Word because the Word is the truth of God. We need to be make sure we have time and mental capacity to accommodate that first and foremost.
0: Yeah, I would uh, you know an example would be uh, John and Lisa Bevere are authors. I believe both of them (laughs) are authors, Uh, and they have written a ton of great books. From you know various Christian perspectives, uh, you know to various Christian audiences, and their the the books that they write, I've seen small groups, especially with Lisa Bevere's books, uh, like, hey, we're going to get this group of women together and and you know read and study her book together, and sometimes they can operate more like a book club and less like a Bible study. Which is not necessarily a bad thing. I would encourage you to call it like it is, you know. Don't call it a Bible study; call it a book club. Uh, but the other problem with some of these is that they can they can tend to be a little slanted in their perspective. Uh, you know, if you get a group together where you are going to, uh, you know i I feel like the women's ministry uh, example is, is the one that easily comes to my mind because it might be the most popular one, but I don't want to just like, you know, use that, uh, you know, like, Hey, this group of women is going to get there and, and read this book Mm -hmm. and and study it. Uh, you know, you could have a marriage group that is going to come together and read this book about marriage. Uh, and and it has biblical context and and application to it. But your if, if you use that, as the lens in which, as the lens in which to view the Bible, then you're getting a tinted view of the Bible. Uh, you know whatever the view is, if it's a men, uh, a women's ministry view of it, a men's ministry view of it. Uh, you know we're going to study all the masculinity in the Bible. Right. Well, okay, but you're missing out on some of the other things in the Bible. Yep. Uh, they have their place, but I think our point would be not to use it as that, like Derek said, that substitute for mm-hmm. just simply studying the word of God. Yeah. And
1: the same thing goes for video studies too, you know, because we mm-hmm. live in a day and age where you can have same kind of idea, just, but instead of it being a guide, it is Lisa Bevere, you know, yeah. having, having a camera in her living room and her discussing it through or whatever. Yeah. You got
0: videos, uh, right now, media, mm-hmm. great resource. What You got Louis Giglio, Francis Chan. Yeah. And they're amazing.
1: Like, we're not sitting here saying they're bad because they are phenomenal. I think, you know, I've each each personally used them for our personal growth. We've used them in ministry. They're all great. We just want to just extend a word of caution that, like, don't just push these and then neglect a Bible study. Like, not that this is a hard and fast rule, but I feel like a two-to-one is good. Like, or just even one-to-one. But, like, make sure that, like, you're not pushing studies and books more than the Bible.
0: Yeah. The other caution that I'll give with both book studies and video series is, you know, I, people feel comfortable just coming to church on Sunday morning and letting that be their Bible for the week because it's spoon fed to them. And like a video series where, like I, I watched a video series once where Louis Giglio did a study through the book of Colossians. It was great stuff. Mm-hmm. But if that kind of content is the only thing that I consume, Mm -hmm. that's just another sermon that I'm listening to, more or less. It's a little more teaching, Mm -hmm. but, you know, finding a lot of these resources and pulling them all together and having conversation with one another, and really diving into the word itself and not just what somebody else is saying about the word, uh, that would be, that'd be kind of our encouragement. For sure. And our caution, like Derek said. So uh and i will say if you are going to do one of those two studies i would still stick to that 3 to 8 people rule mm-hmm. yeah uh you know for the exact same reasons that we just said if you do a if you're going to you know do a video series like watch it and then discuss it yeah you can still have somebody get lost in that discussion because you have yep. too many people so right. uh be mindful of of the size of the group for sure but uh so i want what we want to do is kind of lay out uh <laughs> I have in here step one, step two, but there's only two steps. <laughs> so uh, this is going to be a short episode, uh, he says, as we are 22 minutes in already. Um, so I want. are you adding step three? Oh, thank you. <laughs> we're, we're keeping that in there. Okay. Uh, we'll get there, people. It's not just an inside <laughs> joke. Uh, step one to this hypothetical Bible study that hopefully becomes a reality for a lot of our listeners. Uh, you know, if you have three to eight people, you're going to get together for a Bible study, pick a book or, or a section of a book that you're going to go through. We'll use, you know, Mark as our example, because that is what my Bible study is going through right now. I love it. Uh, the book of Mark, that's what we're going to read. And so, and, and we'll use, uh, just, because we're hypothetical, we'll use me, my wife, Derek, his wife. That's that's our Bible study right there. Uh, the four of us, the first thing I'd encourage us to do would be to go through and read Mark chapter one and just, just read it and write down any questions we have. Before we do anything else, read the chapter, write down any questions that we might have about Mark chapter one. Question for you.
1: Yeah. And again, this could probably be subjective depending on the group and what they're comfortable at. But when you say that, do you assume you read it aloud together or individually in your head? Great question. Or do you come ready to read that? So
0: one of the things that you'll have to decide as a group is how often you want to meet. Sure. Uh, And that's going to be very dependent on who is a part of this group, you know, for, for two married with kids, couples like me and Derek are a part of, you know, meeting every single week might not be an option. So maybe it's every other week, Mm -hmm. which means you've got two weeks, you know, from one Bible study to the next. And so I would, so this step one can happen whenever you want, but it has to happen preferably well before, the Bible study where you're actually getting together. Like me on my own, or I could read it aloud and, and, you know, my wife and I could do it together since we live in the same house, but, uh, you know, reading it beforehand and just writing down all the questions you have. Okay. That's step one. Step two is to execute your role. And here's what I mean by that. There are hundreds of different resources, probably (laughs) <laughs> oh, thousands. Or, or thousands or millions yeah. uh, of great resources on studying the Bible. Yep. It's impossible to go through them all. Mm-hmm. And so what I would encourage is assigning different roles to your group. And then that way, everybody kind of studies their own direction. And when you all come together and... Everybody's bringing a little bit different flavor, a little bit different material, and you know there's going to be questions that one person had that another person answers because it was kind of in their vein of study. Yep. So for, go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say like what I
1: also like about that, and I was gonna give an example. Um, you know, what I also like about that is it does create buy-in. You know, because it's one of those things where it, it. Life gets busy, you know? And so, you know, we're going through Mark. And so, you know, the first two times we're ready, I've read, if we're reading one, you know, if we're meeting every two weeks, we're reading Mark chapter one Mark chapter two, then three and four. What happens is sometimes if life gets busy and you're not in charge of anything, you can go, oh, I'll just, I'll, I'll read it quick on the way, yep. you know, or I'll, I'll listen to it on my phone. And that's not good because like, life happens, but when you are in charge of contributing something, it creates a buy-in that you are are really ready for. And so, when we, when we talk about roles, we're not talking about like, all right, you are going to bring the snacks. Yeah, and, and
0: the, you, those roles are important. Yeah, too. yeah. Uh, we don't want to neglect that. No, and and I will say, like, you know, doing obviously it depends on you know the ages and, and right. life stages of everybody in the group. But if you're gonna like, hey, yeah, we're gonna meet at this person's house. They're gonna make dinner, and somebody else is gonna bring a side and a dessert, and like that. that That's awesome. I would highly encourage that as well. Yep. Yeah,
1: but like, in this particular case, we're gonna talk about like definitive roles when it comes to the study itself. So, for example, if we're in Mark, right, the the first role you can assign to somebody is, hey, you're in charge of cross references. So, because the Gospels are very synonymous with each other. A lot of times, if you're reading a story or a parable about Jesus and Mark, there's probably another cross-reference in Matthew, Luke, or John that you can draw on to get that experience
0: for. Yeah, I wanted to—I opened Mark chapter 1 here to just see what we're working with. Like, verses 9 through 13 are the baptism and temptation of Jesus. Yeah. That's four verses— for something that some other gospels, two chapters, you know, have two different chapters on. Yep. And so the the calling of the first disciples, Jesus drives out an evil spirit. You know, there's there's a couple different things. Uh, a man with leprosy. All of this is in Mark chapter one. And so there's going to be definitely some examples in some other gospels where it might be a little bit more elaborated In yep. some other gospels. You have to remember that the four gospels are the same story from four different perspectives. Correct. And, you know, if if Derek and I, uh, you know, both witness something from two, like, I, I love the example of, uh, like, if we witness a sporting event, mm. Uh, you know, from two different directions, we might notice different details. Some of what we see is going to be the same because we're witnessing the same thing. Right. But we might see different details that are a little bit different. And so having somebody that can start with those cross-references, I think it's huge. And what's so cool
1: about that too is, you know, there's, there's so many subtleties within the lines of scripture that just get missed if you're just taking it at face value. Like for example, you know, a lot of the New Testament writers... Mark being one of them will draw on old Testament scriptures or they will draw on like, it's what's so cool is when you read the book of Isaiah through the lens of what we know Christ does and who he is, it's profound how many of the prophecies match in a crazy, crazy way. And again, those are things you miss unless you have someone who's looking for them. And so there's a lot of just cool things that you know, when you have someone who's intentionally looking for the cross references and the interlap of scripture, it really creates this full picture that the author is trying to paint because Mm -hmm. the author knows the background. He knows the prophecies. He knows he said this and they said this. And so they're writing to an audience who also assumes the same thing. So when we get to get into the head of that writer, we see things from a different perspective.
0: Yeah. One of my favorite, things about the New Testament that is never explicitly explicitly said in the New Testament is that most of the people writing the New Testament and living that time period had a lot of the Old Testament memorized. Right. You know, somebody like Matthew had probably almost the whole Old Testament memorized. And so when you, like Jesus did this, all, so, so part of it just comes out subconsciously sometimes. Uh, But Jesus did this beautifully where he would quote the Old Testament, and so we get his recorded quote of the Old Testament Mm -hmm. in the New Testament, and he might have some great teaching in there. There are times where the most profound point that he is making in his teaching is not in what he quotes, it's what comes in the Old Testament right after what he quotes. Right. A great example of this is, uh, I believe it is Psalm 22. I literally have a Bible in front of me. Kyle, how about you just open up to Psalm 22 and you could verify it yourself? Uh, let's see I like problem-solving skills. That was I know, good. right? I'm really good at it. Psalm 22. I'm going to read verse 1. You tell me if it's familiar. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Don't recall. Don't recall it? Allow me to jog your memory. Uh, you know, obviously, that is what Jesus quotes right. on the cross as he is dying. My God, mm-hmm. my God, why have you forsaken me? All His whole audience there knew that verse. Right. They knew Psalm 22. Yep. Psalm 22 ends with a declaration of, God, you have not forsaken me. Mm-hmm you have not yo know, your will is not lost on me and it kind of comes full circle and that is you know there are there are several lines throughout psalm 22 that allude to uh you know, broken bones and pierced sides and and things that allude to the messiah and jesus is intentionally quoting that scripture wow. to draw his audiences Minds to the rest of that psalm, right? And that is the kind of thing that this role can bring to a Bible study. Yeah,
1: when you're looking for that specifically, it's a lot easier to find it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. and and that's like that's one example. Like, if every single person in your Bible study was trying to find that, they'd get nothing else done. Correct. So that's that's a great one, great role to start off with. Another one, and this is going to be a really nerdy one. But uh, having somebody that dives into the original Greek and Hebrew words of of the Old Testament and the New Testament respectively, that is a phenomenal role. The English language sucks. It just does. And And in
1: contrast,
0: the Greek and the Hebrew
1: are amazing.
0: They're much better languages. Mm -hmm. And so having somebody that can dive into some of these words that were used, where else in the Bible did that exact Greek word get used? Where else in, uh, you know, what what does that Greek word actually mean versus how is it translated? Because those aren't always the same. There's a couple words... There's a there are Greek words in the New Testament that Paul literally makes up mm-hmm. because he is trying to translate from Hebrew to Greek mm-hmm. and there's not really a good Greek word so he makes one up by mashing two Greek words together and then it gets translated into English and it really sucks right and so good then you're going all the way back to the Hebrew uh, a resource online called the Blue Letter Bible you know that is a fantastic tool I think. Uh, Bible hub is another one. They have like an interlinear Bible, which basically just means it's like, maybe it is blue letter Bible. I don't remember, but that probably has it too. but you can look at like the English and the Greek words, like one on top of the other. And like, you can click on the Greek word and then it'll show you here's all of the other instances in the new Testament where this Greek word pops yep. up. Uh, resources like that can can really help make connections and and give a clearer understanding as to what some of these words actually mean, uh, and that can bring a lot of depth to a Bible study. Yeah,
1: because I I've also noticed that these languages communicate a lot of emotion in these words as well. Yeah, uh, and so it's it it's 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 fascinating to, and you can get carried away with it for sure. Like sometimes you you also got to remember context, and that's important. But these are so good. The next one I think is one that a lot of pastors are familiar with. Uh, but I think there's so much value to anybody reading a commentary. Um, you know, I I I wanna before I jump into the exact specific, you know, circumstances, uh, there was a leader of a Bible study once that told my dad, my dad was newer to the Bible. He was in a Bible study, and he had a study Bible. And those who are familiar with the study Bible, they have notes in the bottom. Mm-hmm. So this leader told my dad, like, you know, he discouraged him from reading the notes on the bottom because his point was, like, let God speak to you what he wants to speak to you through his word, not what other people have said. Which, on one hand, I see, the, I see that rationale. But when it comes to commentaries, here's the thing. I am not a Greek scholar. I am not a Hebrew scholar. What? I am not a Old Testament and New Testament scholar. Doctor, doctoral scholar of this. Do you know who who is David Guzik? Prod, Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry,
0: definitely that dude. He, writes he's insane. Like
1: he has a doctorate. You, 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 you have to like intent, You have to be in the right headspace to read him because you do. he is, you he do. is he is. You're deep.
0: not recommending that one for the sixth grade Bible study? Uh probably not. Mm. He
1: has a condensed and concise version that it's that still not. It is very easy to read. No, no, but like. Where I'm going with all of this is you have to understand that God can and will speak to you just by reading his word at face value. But you also have to be open to the fact that there are people who have dedicated their life to pulling out the truth of what these lines are saying. So learn from them. Learn mm-hmm. from them as a teacher is teaching you. You know, you you mentioned David Gusick, enduring word phenomenal commentary. It's very thorough, but it's also very concise. And so what I mean by that is he breaks it down verse by verse by verse, and he explains the intricacies of that verse. But I like about what he does as well is he pulls in other scholars as well. Yeah. And so he will pull in, here's what this scholar has to say about this verse. So you get a very well-rounded understanding of who he is. I'm not familiar with this next one though. I think you so, wrote this one down.
0: So first of all, enduring Word 2, like it they have a free app that is very easy to use, which I love. Uh you know, we mentioned Matthew Henry, uh who is Ooh. a comment that's like for the smartest person in your group. You know, mm-hmm. like that there his commentary is very hard to read, uh but it's very good. Uh we mentioned study Bibles. Uh you know that can be A a source like that, uh, that can be a role or part of someone's role is to read the notes that they have in their study Bible if they have one. Uh, There's another commentary I found. uh, If you Google Precept Austin commentary, uh, you'll be able to find it. Um, It is, I have no idea who put it together, but it is by far the longest commentary I've ever seen in my life. Wow. It like it would take you days to read through the commentary of a chapter, but a lot of what that one does is it pulls from other commentaries, mm-hmm. and 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 there's a lot of historical things they'll bring into it, and so it's it's very very well done. Uh, you know, for my for the Bible study that my wife and I are a part of, that reading that commentary is a part of the role that I have for our Bible study. I'm more so; it's more of a skimming than a than a reading because it is so stinking long. Right, uh, but there's a lot of really, really good material uh, in that one as well. I think you touch on something cool, as I
1: think you know assigning certain people to certain commentaries. I think is so yep. so. You know, like don't just put one person in charge of commentaries. Cause that, oh that, no, no, that's no! Like, that's I just would, too
0: much. I would put like, I would highly recommend. The enduring word commentary by David Guzik, as as one of the first roles that you assign. Yep. Uh, you know, I would the the precept Austin one and the Matthew Henry one are, you know, those, those might be numbers like six, seven, eight on the list, somewhere down there. Like there are, like I would do the original Greek and Hebrew before that. These aren't in order. I would do cross references before that. There's a couple others that we'll get to that I would do Mm -hmm. before those. Uh, but they are very good study Bibles. Uh, and, and I don't know that we mentioned this, but some of these roles, depending on who's a part of your study, you know, maybe maybe the original Greek and Hebrew words is one that you want to split up into two people. Like you're both looking at this, right? Uh, maybe the cross references is only half a roll, and so someone does that and and their study Bible uh, notes. You know, you'll have to figure out how exactly you want to manage all of it. But are uh, we're just trying to give some resources? Yeah. Uh, but so one of the one of the next ones I want to mention. Uh, I had the opportunity when I was in uh, college to go and Derek did as well to go over and study in Israel for a month. And the professor that I had while I was over there's name was Mark Turnage. And he has a, uh, study resource called windows into the Bible, uh, which is a book that he wrote. Uh, he actually, (laughs) I'll share this quick story because it's funny. I find it funny. He, probably didn't at the time, but he wrote this book called windows into the Bible. And it's basically just a bunch of his notes of things he studied and learned because he would share them in tours. He would give of the Holy lands and pastors would hear it, go back to the United States and preach it as their own content without giving him credit, or they would publish it in a book as their own content without giving him credit. So he went ahead and published all of it so that people would stop That's doing that. That's amazing. Which uh, it's unfortunate, but I applaud him for you know kind of taking the initiative. So he wrote a book, Windows Into the Bible. He also has a podcast by the same name. Uh, his whole thing is, uh, I think his tagline, is like understanding the words of the Bible through grasping the world of the Bible. And so not to get too far into it, his four windows... Of which to view the Bible are historical, spatial, like geography, uh, cultural, and spiritual. Yeah, and so like understanding one of the things that blew my mind, and this is the smallest thing that's ever blown my mind. Uh, often in the in the Old and New Testament, someone will say that they're going up to Jerusalem. When I hear "going up to Jerusalem," that means oh, they're going north. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If I go down to Jerusalem, I'm going south, but Jerusalem, like elevation wise, you had to go up from pretty much any direction in order to get to Jerusalem. And and I was like, oh, that makes way more sense for for them. Yeah, and, and just things like that. There's so much using like he has so much content that is a phenomenal resource to understanding the cultural context of the Bible. Uh, and so that's that's a role I'd highly recommend.
1: Well, and with it, too, just geography and the Bible in general. You know, I think for me, the thing that I didn't put two and two together until I was there, but, you know, you, you'd you hear about Jesus in the wilderness. Being from Minnesota, when I hear wilderness, I think of the woods. Mm-hmm. I think of, you know, vegetation, dead leaves, trees everywhere. You don't have that in Israel. Not at least not where they're talking about. When they say the wilderness— it's a dry,
0: arid desert with nothing. So, yeah, especially the south half of Israel. The north half actually had more vegetation than I was. Correct. Expecting. I know. I thought of the same thing. But
1: like, like, it it paints the picture. Not only is Jesus forty years without food, he's in a desert like that. When he's being tempted by Satan, it's it's no trip. Like he is, he's in a desert by himself. Like that just really just changes the the scope. And so you know, I think about. And again, I I mentioned this earlier, but you have to understand that the writers that were reading the Bible undoubtedly are from this geography. Right. So they are writing, assuming that like, you know, you and I might talk about snow removal very haphazardly and talk about like certain snow plowing terms or whatever, because we live this. Whereas someone down in Texas is like, what the heck are you talking about? Like, Mm -hmm. I can't even wrap my head around that. It's the same way with geography of the Bible. The authors are writing to an audience that already has the context. Yep. So we have to get into their minds and go, what is the context that they're surrounding themselves with so that we can make sure we're understanding what they're trying to get at.
0: Yes. Having a map out when you read many portions of the Bible, Old Testament, especially where you can see, okay, okay, They went from, you know, Bethlehem to Nazareth. They went from Jerusalem to Jericho, like physically looking on a map and seeing what that trek looked like uh, is uh, that's that's huge and that can bring a lot of understanding. And get the maps that are from that time period too, because yeah, things have changed. You know, (laughs) things have changed. Yeah, yeah, accurate accurate maps. Uh, Speaking of accurate stuff from the time period. Uh <laughs> nice transition. Thank you. I'll I'll go with uh, uh another one here. This might be the Oh no, we got another one still. We sk- we're not going in order. That's my bad. Uh Josephus. Uh so Josephus was a if I remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong. I know you will. Uh a Jew who was captured by the Romans. And made friends enough that he was, like, kept alive as a historian. I think he was a historian before he was captured. But uh, this is all, like, you know, you got, like, the the uprising of the Jews in AD 70, which, you know, it, they revolted. And then the temple was destroyed by the Romans. And it was this whole thing. Uh, but Josephus lived through that. And he lived at the time that a lot of the New Testament letters were being written. And so he was a contemporary to Paul, to John, to you know all of this stuff. And he was a historian, so he wrote a bunch of stuff down. Now, if you know anything about historians in basically most of history, you know that whoever signs their checks... Or in this case, whoever keeps them alive <laughs> is probably in charge. Mm-hmm. And so there are instances reading Josephus where he portrays the Roman government and the Roman soldiers, Roman authorities, in a good light. Yep, even though they weren't, and they weren't necessarily. <laughs> You're right. But and and Mark Turnage put it this way. We can trust Josephus when he had no reason to lie. He wrote extensively about the history of the Jews. Like he he writes a lot of stories that are in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so he wrote about the histories of the Jews. He also wrote about a lot of contemporary stuff to him, contemporary mm-hmm. uh, of the Jews. And most of that has nothing really to do with the Roman government. And so he just wrote it like it was. Plus, mm-hmm. he was a Jew. Yeah. and so he had a stake in that game mm-hmm. uh you know it's where he wrote about the Roman government that you know you might have to be a little bit leery uh, with his writings but where he wrote about the Jews a lot of times you know we can trust that and so having somebody that can dive into that stuff a little bit uh, especially if you're reading through the Old Testament or uh, or the Gospels uh, that can uh, and even if uh, like if you hey we're gonna read through Ephesians Maybe Josephus wrote something about the city of Ephesus. You know, uh, you know, having having some somebody that can dive into that stuff can be really really beneficial. Yeah. All right, and then the last one I think is the only one we have not
1: I touched think so. on, and I think this is the one that if you have someone in your group who admittedly is like, I just I'm I'm a little slower, or I don't know, maybe get this as much, or
0: so this is my role. <laughs> I want, didn't want to say it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, somebody had to, but no, like this next resource is, is phenomenal. And I've, I've watched a few of their stuff. Um, and yes, I said watched, uh, this next one is called the Bible project. And, uh, it essentially, to my knowledge is comprised of a bunch of very smart people who are very gifted in communicating the heart of the Bible in a way that's easy to digest. So for example, what they will do is they will have, if you just go to the Bibleproject.com, I believe, not .org, but if you just type in the Bible Project, they'll take you to their website, and they have each of the books of the Bible, and you click on them, and they have a comprehensive video that outlines the overall view of that book, some different highlights of each individual chapter, how it all ties together together. And it's communicated narratively, I think, you, you know, or yeah. with il- illustrations. Yeah. Like they, they really kind of take you through the book in a way that you know is very thorough, but also is very comprehensive and concise. And they, along with the illustrations, to kind of help organize certain themes, organize elements, you know, draw timelines. And so it's a very – it's kind of like a 10,000-foot view, yet they kind of swoop in and look at things underneath the microscope and see how it contributes to the whole picture. So I love this resource for just having big picture. And ironically enough, Riley actually has – was gifted to him. They actually have a book version of this. So the book is like – I kid you not, like – this tall and like this (laughs) wide. And they have like the illustrations on the pages. So it's like, it's like a really, really cool resource. And it kind of just outlines the whole thing. So this is a great, if if, if a commentary is kind of like a magnifying glass of each individual word and chapter and verse, this is kind of like, you know, a a telescope of the whole, Mm. the whole picture, if you will. Yeah. You know,
0: and, and they, so first of all, I, I don't want to rain on the parade, but you said a bunch of people putting this together. I think it's pretty much just two. Is it? Uh, That's I fine. know. So Tim Mackey is it? Yep. So I they have a podcast as well uh, under the same name, and Tim Mackey and I don't remember the name of the other guy that do the podcast. I think they're basically the main two guys that do most of the content, but uh, they. It's a phenomenal resource. Their podcast is really interesting. They actually just finished up like basically going through, I think almost the entire Torah on their podcast, like chapter by chapter, which was really interesting. I didn't listen to all of it, but uh, I want to go back and listen to it because they do very, very good work. Um, They also, they have kind of book by book, uh, videos that Derek was mentioning. They also have some videos that are more topical as well. Uh, you know, like I know they have a series of videos on, uh, I think they call them spiritual beings. And so, like, they have one video on angels, they have one video on demons, they have one video on uh, the, I think, the, like the multitude in heaven. Like, what is that? And what does that look like? And so, like, that's an interesting video series to go through if you're curious about some of that stuff. Uh, they, uh, they also have a free app, uh, where you can find a lot of their content. Uh, and, and I want to say, you know, I will get into, I have, I have two more things I want to say on these different roles. One is that we are speaking to the 97% of all of these resources. I cannot personally speak to the entirety of, Of Matthew Henry's theology. Right. I can't speak to 1% of Matthew Henry's theology. I can't speak to Matthew Henry. It's just, (laughs) he's speaking a different language. He is speaking such a higher form of English that I can't speak to him Mm -hmm. anyway. But uh, like, I cannot speak to the specific theological points of every single one of these people. Yep. Nor do you need to. Nor do I need to. Like, these are Christians. Mm hmm. And and I don't want that to get lost on our listeners. Yep. Like it is okay to use a resource for your biblical study outside of your denomination. It's encouraged, right? If if you are, if you are like Derek and I attend and work at Assemblies of God churches, if you want to use resources of David Platt, who is a Reformed theologian, go for it. If you want to use, uh, I. I think, I think, I think David Guzik might be, uh, I don't even know. I don't want to speculate. I think Matthew Henry might be Baptist. I'm uh, Now I'm just guessing. Uh, I feel like I remember that somewhere. David Guzik uh, pastors, a, it's like Santa Barbara Calvary Chapel, something like that, uh, which does not help in trying to figure out his denomination. But uh, my point is, all of the, I don't know what jo- denomination Josephus was either. Now that I think about it, uh, I think he was Jewish. <laughs> he, it, he's, he's classified
1: as a Jewish Roman. Or, 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 I can't remember what it was. Um, but uh,
0: yeah. my my point is, like most Christian denominations, agree on like ninety five percent, ninety seven percent of the Bible and of our theology. That is what we are advertising here. Yeah. Uh, and the point of having all these different resources is to get some different perspectives. You know, I can list off the top like eight denominations of Christianity in America, and I can point to pros and cons of each one, mm-hmm. whether it's theology or practice. Yep. Not everybody has it all right. Right. I don't think anybody has it all right. And so I think that having that well-roundedness in your resources is important.
1: It's got to happen. And, you know, it, I'd even encourage you if there are others that are not on this list, like I can't tell you how many people have thrown out the baby with the bathwater If I can't listen to this speaker because he's got, you know, or this, cause there are certain sermons too, that have some good content. Like yeah, certain pastors have more of this teacher like aspect to their communication. Uh And just, don't limit yourself. If you get some bad juju and some bad vibes from people that, that are not reputable, okay, for sure. But um, do you want me to do step three?
0: Uh, real quick before we go to step three, I want to try to give a if if somebody's like, Okay, that's a lot of resources, but we only got five people, where what's yeah. most important? Yeah, uh, I would, and so I would say that start with Josephus, <laughs> then go <laughs> and Matthew to, Henry. Yep. Uh, I would say that cross references. Yep. Um, number one, the cross references is is a big key one. The original Greek and Hebrew words. I would list that as a big one. I would list enduring word as a big one, just because. I think having one of the commentaries in there is important, and that's the first one I would recommend of the three. And then the other one is like the the whole Mark Turnage Windows into the Bible geography of the Bible, like the geography and cultural historical context. Having somebody that can specialize in that. it, that is the other one that I would highly, highly, highly recommend. You can get into other commentaries. You can dive into the Bible Project. You can dive into study Bible notes, uh, but those ones are important. And then practically, when you're coming together, I would encourage the cultural historical person, the Mark Turnish person, and the Bible Project person. I would have those two people talk first. Mm-hmm. Because that will lay the foundation for the chapter that, or the, or the section of the chapter that yep. you're reading. Yep. And then, you know, as you read through it, the cross-reference person chimes in. The original Greek-Hebrew word person chimes in. Yeah. And, and it starts to bounce back and forth from there and everybody starts to get involved. Yeah. Uh, and don't push it. Mm-hmm. If you get on a, how many times have I been a part of a Bible study where we'd rabbit trail onto (laughs) baptism Yeah, and that was not at all what we were supposed to be talking about. But, you know, we like, we get really passionately talking about it and trying to find answers and, and just pursue that. And then you end up, you know, four hours into your Bible study and you're not, and you didn't even get halfway through the chapter. Fine. Start with the second half of that chapter the next week. Yeah. It's, it's, I'd, I would highly encourage going slow and going for qu- quality versus just trying to speed through your Bible study. I said this
1: as a joke, like we, you still only at two steps. So I jokingly put in a third, but I think it's like perfectly on par with both of our hearts. Cause step three is this, pray and hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I put Nailed that as it. a joke, but like you're spot on. Like if, if you go into a Bible study with the understanding that it's got to look just like this, you're probably going to be disappointed Yeah, because it is going to rabbit trail and you're going to talk about different things. But are you really going to tell me that's a negative thing? Because like, there's no way, you know, like like that, what is the goal of this? It's to grow on our faith, you know? And so I love, I, I have the same rationale with like Bible plans, like Bible in a year. Would you rather get through a Bible in a year but not have retained anything and applied it to your life or got through it in a year and a half, but you're changed from the inside out. Like obviously the latter, not the former, same thing with the Bible study. Like, and if nothing else, if, 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 people just aren't into it that day, but like there's a fellowship piece there that you can like come together and just apply the word to your life and pray together. That's cool too. You know, mm-hmm. like like, the, the, like, obviously these are all good things. They're good practices. It's good to follow a structure and a framework. All of those are great things, But I just think it's so critical to understand that, like, the Lord's going to use this opportunity to speak to the people in the room how he wants to speak to them. And Mm -hmm. so don't force it. Let the Holy Spirit move, welcome him into it. I think starting with prayer is a good way to start and then just see where it goes. Yeah. Enjoy the ride. And
0: and it's going to be, it might be some trial and error. It might be, hey, I hate this role. (laughs) <laughs> can yeah. I have a different one? Right. Uh, it might, you know, switching them around. Maybe you just want to do that periodically to keep it fresh. Right. Like, hey, Derek, let's, you know, you and it, let's all rotate roles or you and I swap roles uh, just, just, just to bring up. a little life. Uh, team up for a role. Uh, hey, guys, like I'm headed into a busy season at work. uh, can or, or with school, uh, you know, can I have someone share my role with me? Uh, just for this season or you know, whatever it is like, and and maybe you come into it with, hey, we are going to, uh, you know, we're just going to do this Bible study for, you know, we're going to do Ephesians. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a six week study and then we're done. Yeah. And, and you can, you know, you're not committing to this lifelong thing right, right away. Uh, Derek, what would you recommend or do we have any thoughts on the podcast on, is it more like let's start a Bible study with like people we're really close to. Let's start a Bible study with people that we don't really know, but it's a way to create community within our church or within our youth ministry is one better than the other are both good or both terrible. Got any thoughts on that? Yes. Cool. Both are terrible.
1: <laughs> I, I, I say that facetiously. I don't think there's a wrong way to go about it. In my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that, certain studies are better for certain situations. Case in point, you know, if if you're a pastor, let's call a spade a spade, and you are facilitating this Bible study, you probably are going to approach it with more of a, I'm here to facilitate and help lead and feed. Versus if you and your wife are sitting down with my wife and I, this is just pure on straight spiritual growth for me as a person. Yeah. You know, and so I do think that the context... The goal is the same and the outcome can be the same even, but I think the motivation can be different. So I do think that this is a great way to unify people together and bring people who wouldn't normally be together underneath one united goal. And all of a sudden you realize, Hey, I kind of like you, you know, but I also think there is, there is some, especially if you're new, I think there's a lot of comfortability that encourages growth when you're around people that you know really well. Like it's, if you're around people that you don't know, you might be less likely to speak up about this Greek and Hebrew word because you're unfamiliar with it yourself and you don't want them to think you're stupid or you don't yeah. want them to say, no, you you looked up that wrong. Like that's not, that's not all that you, like that's not comfortable. So I do think that there's a comfortability doing it with people that you know, but I do think that both are good and both have better situations in which you'd want to implore them.
0: One thought coming to my mind just now is that I would highly recommend pretty much in every context that this be done in someone's home. Yep. Just that's going to be a much more comfortable and inviting atmosphere. Yep. And that can be very difficult to do with people you don't know. Uh, Not impossible. Uh, Doing it with people you don't know, but having a defined end date, can mm-hmm. given out in case yep. like hey like this was good it just isn't a long term thing. Mm-hmm. Uh if you are the pastor or the youth pastor maybe you look at it as hey for the first maybe 8 or 12 weeks I'm going to be a part of this but then I'm going to lift myself out and let them take it and run with Correct. it from there yep. and then I'll go start another one. Yep. And you can kind of let it snowball like that. Uh if you really want to get fancy with the snowball, like you could have a core group, we start this study and then after eight or 12 weeks, everybody goes out and starts their own. yep and it spreads through the church like that or through the youth ministry like that. Uh, the other thought that I'm having is that whether or not you know the person could be you know a factor to gauge the spiritual maturity of everybody in the group could also be a factor. I don't think it's bad to have a Bible study where everyone is on the same spiritual maturity level, roughly. Yeah. I also don't think it's bad to have a a Bible study where, you know, you've got some variability Correct. in the maturity level. Yep. Uh, as long as people's desire to learn is there and desire to grow is there, I, I think you can have, you know, Varying maturity levels and yep. varying, you know, lengths of walks. Uh, you just have to be mindful of that uh, when you're when you're setting expectations, and you know, it, it might not be quite as deep as if you know it was four people or six people that are really really close right. together and have yep. been walking with the Lord and and their maturity levels about the same. Then you know they're going to be able to run at the, a different speed. Uh, but just knowing some of those things ahead of time might help with the expectations of the group yeah. so that you can, uh, succeed. If you guys have whacked expectations coming into it, then that's not going to be good. Yeah. That's all I got, man. Bible studies are fun. They are. I'd yeah. highly encourage it. And, and I do think I, you know, we made light of this earlier, but have somebody bring desserts. Yeah. Food is important. Yeah. Bring good food, have good food, uh, and your Bible study will last longer. I guarantee it. Yeah, and by
1: good food, you mean good tasting.
0: Yes. What other kind of good food is there? Don't
1: bring the gluten-free fig roll for everybody to share. Like nobody, nobody's liking that.
0: It's. Is there scientific evidence that it is harder to do a Bible study with someone on a keto diet? It probably should be. <laughs> You're doing the Daniel fast. That's great for your faith, but you're shunned from the Bible study until you're done with it.
1: Correct. Nobody wants <laughs> or you. shunned
0: from bringing food to the Bible study. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> All right. That's season two. That's it. We, we uh it. We made it. We're good to go. We grew. Uh, we appreciate. We did grow. We learned a lot about how not to be a youth pastor. I think that's safe to say, and hopefully our listeners did as well. Yeah. We learned also how not to be podcasters.
1: I think that's something Mm -hmm. we add to our repertoire. Uh, They now can put a name with the face, which.
0: Other way around. They can put a face with the the name.
1: name. Well done. Yep. You know, I think hopefully we didn't lose any listeners because they know what we look like.
0: Yeah, if we disappointed in that department.
1: Hopefully we also didn't gain
0: followers because of what we look like because we're both married. Fair. Yeah. I was gonna say that, like, I'm not opposed (laughs) to that, but then you brought that up and I was like, okay, yeah, it fits because of that. Like, it's kind of the same thing about, like, relationally coming to church and then finding God. Yeah. Like, if you like us because we're aesthetic, then cool. If you like us because you want to date us, we're taken. (laughs) Like I think that's really what it. And if you like us because of the clothes that we wear, I can't speak for Derek, but like, something's wrong with you, <laughs> dude. Go find like go look at a mannequin at Old Navy where we're in the same thing. I'm wearing a black T-shirt and holy jeans today. Also, I didn't know if I was gonna bring this up on the podcast or not, and I'm gonna try to wheel around here for the video. I am rocking socks and sandals today. I did notice so, you
1: had your Birkenstocks, which I'm impressed with.
0: I actually had students. Uh, make fun of me Sunday night at our high school Bible study because I I was barefoot because we were Gross. outside we were outside playing games and it was in the grass. And so I didn't have my shoes on. Actually, it was with a soccer ball and I was wearing my Burks and I was like, that's a bad combination. But then I put, I slipped them back on and, and they were like, those aren't your shoes. And I was like, yes, they are. They, no, you don't have Burks. And I was like, <laughs> I don't even know how to respond. Is this an insult? I can't yes. tell. <laughs> so I was I was a little of offended you, by that. I'm proud of you, But uh, I've yeah. I've not jumped on the Burke train yet. But These are new, yeah. I Maybe guess. So that's fair. But uh, we appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Uh, thank you to all of our viewers, all of our listeners, followers on Instagram. Uh, season two is a wrap. We'll be back for season three. But in the meantime, I think it's about time that Derek and I go on a vocal rest for about three months. Goodbye. Goodbye.